in those seasons and those moments in life where we have just given everything that we have, there's nothing left. We know that you are more than enough, that you will carry us through. So this morning, we just lay everything at your feet. We just give ourselves to you.
and inviting people to sit around a table together. So we all eat, so why not eat together? This morning we're going to look at one of those times that Jesus spends at a table. But before we do that, uh, let's pray. Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as we read some scriptures and we hear your word, we ask that we may hear that with joy, what you say to us today. Amen. So we get this idea about loving our neighbors, meeting our neighbors, knowing their names, building a relationship. We get that idea in all three of the Gospels. Actually, it's all throughout Scripture, but let's stick to the, to the Gospels. We hear this in, all, in three of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all talk about what it means to love your neighbor. In Matthew 22, uh, verses 37 through 40, it'll be on the screen. Um, someone asked Jesus, Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor, that's what scripture is all about. That's what being in relationship with God is all about. So I want to look about at this story that we find in Luke. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to that, or your smartphone, and you want to um, read along with me, we're just going to read some of it. Um, this is really a story about a guy who meets Jesus and wants to share his faith with those around him. So um, I'm going to read uh, a couple of, the, of verses, verses 27 through 29. And it'll be on the screen as well behind me if you um, don't have a Bible with you. He says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. So here's this guy, Levi. We know he's a tax collector, and he's at work, and he meets Jesus. Jesus comes up to him and invites Levi to leave his life. Leave his life behind. Let's start something new. Do something different. And immediately, it says immediately he got up and followed Jesus. He meets Jesus, right away decides to follow him. And so then what he does next is so fascinating to me. He invites Jesus over to his house. And they're going to have dinner. And so he invites all of his friends, all of his neighbors, all of his tax collector friends for dinner. Now something we need to know about Levi and his fellow tax collectors is that nobody liked them. In Israel, uh, during the time of Jesus, it was a, a military state of Rome. And so the tax collectors were really little pawns of Rome, and nobody in Israel liked them. Not just because they were working for Rome, but because they were stealing from their own brothers and sisters and neighbors. They were considered traitors by their own fellow Jews. They would put fee after fee on top of the tax that Rome was collecting that was already unfair. They would charge interest if you didn't pay on time. 
escape to make a significant profit off of their neighbors. And so they were despised. And so I'm honestly surprised that the scripture says that they were tax collectors and others there. I'm not sure who the others are because I'm assuming that he only was even remotely friends with other tax collectors. So I'm glad that there were other people there because they also got to meet Jesus and learn how to love one another. But Jesus looks at Levi and sees something more than a tax collector, something more than a traitor. He looks at Levi and sees a son of God, and he invites Levi into a new life. But Levi was new at this. Like he had, when he throws this dinner party, he had probably only been following Jesus for a most like a, a day. Like it was, it was an immediate thing, and so. He hasn't been following Jesus long before he wanted to share his faith with friends. And we do know that people who first meet Jesus, they are more likely to share their faith with those around them than those of us like me who have been a Christian my entire life didn't know anything else. People who meet Jesus for the first time are more likely to share their faith. And so it's not surprising, but he invited his, his friends over to his house, this ordinary place that he already had access to. And he used this ordinary meal to introduce his tax collector friends and others into a relationship with Jesus. So I want to challenge you as we think about what it means to meet your neighbors, what it means to maybe throw a block party or gather your neighbors in some way. What ordinary means do you already have that you could invest into this relationship? What do you already have at your disposal that God could use for extraordinary work in the lives of your neighbors? Maybe you have the best grill in the neighborhood, and you are willing to share that with others. Maybe, you know, a little bit on the pride side, but also, you know, you want to invite people over for dinner and show off this grill. Maybe you have, and this is something that I've really been thinking about, maybe you have a fenced-in yard where all the kids in the neighborhood could come and play in a safe place, that they're not going to be in the road, and, and it's a safe place. What ordinary things do you have that you can use as gifts from God to your neighbors? The thing about Levi is, in this passage, Levi is also Matthew. And Matthew wrote one of the Gospels. So this tax collector, this despised person, becomes a disciple of Jesus, and writes one of the four Gospels that we have of the stories of Jesus. Just a fascinating look into the way that God uses ordinary people. But Levi's other name means something significant. A lot of people in Scripture have two names. It's their name before they knew God, before they were in a relationship with God, and their name after. Levi means joined, to be joined to something. Matthew means gift of God. And so Matthew, Levi, becomes a gift of God when he opens his life up to the invitation of Jesus to follow him. He not only experiences the gift of God, but now uses that to be a gift of God to those around him. Now I want to say that there are no superheroes necessary in the art of neighboring. We all want to say, oh, we can do this, and we're going to do it the best, and we're going to be the greatest at being the neighbor. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? 
they were like, well, I don't know all the steps and all of the processes and all the conversations I'm gonna have, so until I know all those things, I, I can't do it yet. That's usually how I function. But, but no superhero is necessary. The only thing is taking that first step and seeing where God uses us. Being ordinary, we can open ourselves up to witnessing miracles that God is doing in our lives and doing the lives of our neighbors around us. Miracles of love and forgiveness and relationship that we wouldn't see otherwise. If we were a superhero, if we could do it all on our own from our own strength, we would need God. There would be no reason to be here if we could do it all on our own. And if we could do it all on our own, then we wouldn't necessarily be looking for the ways in which God is moving. Without our ordinariness, we don't have eyes to see miracles. And we believe in miracles. So we want to see miracles. We believe that God is moving in greater ways than we can imagine. And so we need to have eyes to see that. And Levi was no superhero. Some would probably call him an opposite, the opposite of that, stealing from the poor to give to the rich. But when he opened himself up to God's work, miracles began to happen. Conversations began to stir among the people. If you continue reading those verses, there are people outside of this house that, that see all of these tax collectors and sinners that Jesus was eating with. And it provided Jesus an opportunity to share what his ministry was all about. They didn't come to call the already saved. They came to save those who didn't know him. That doctors, that healthy people don't need to see doctors, the sick deal. And so this began to open up a conversation to share Jesus' ministry with those who were looking. Small, ordinary things matter. You already have an abundance of assets that God has given you to be a good neighbor. You don't have to go out and buy anything significant, but give of what you have, time or possessions or space. When we give from what we have, something sacred begins to happen, and we get to see yet another miracle from God. Now, love God and love your neighbor. It's known as the Great Commandment. So there's the Great Commission, go out into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the Great Commandment, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we start to take this Great Commandment literally, we realize that we don't have what it takes. That we don't have full capacity, potential within ourselves alone to love God and love our neighbor as ourself, that we need God. We don't have enough time, even when we prioritize. We don't, we aren't great at remembering names, even though we write them all down and we try really hard, we still forget the lady across the street. Her name is Mrs. Something. <laughs> and I literally can't remember as hard as I try. We don't love enough, even though we are trying to be like Jesus. We feel as though we are being asked to manage an impossible task. Where do we even start this loving our neighbors thing? It's hard. And I will say that I am struggling because there is so much more that we could talk about in this series. But this is the last week of this Art of Neighboring series. And there's so much more I want to share with you. What about boundaries? What about motives? What about all of these things that we can talk about? And so when I think about all that, it just kind of becomes overwhelming. But 
when we take this literally, we know that God is working through us, that we don't have to have all of those answers. The best thing is just taking the first step. There's an old saying that says, only time will tell. Today, we are so used to things moving so quickly that we have instant results. We, um, we know things immediately. If it doesn't happen right away, it's not going to happen, those kinds of things. But relationships take time. Most things in life take time. For our bodies, we feel it takes time. Growth in our, in our physical bodies takes time. Most things take time. And so the most important thing when we think about building relationships with our neighbors, when we think about loving our neighbors, is that giving ourselves the time and space in order to do that. The most important thing that we can do is keep showing up, even in small, simple ways. So keep meeting your neighbors. One of the easiest ways to build a relationship with someone is to invite them into, some, invite them into what you are already doing. So you're already gardening. Inviting a neighbor to garden with you or to share plants is one way. You're already eating, so invite a family over to eat with you. You're already making s'mores in your backyard, so invite the family over with you. Mother Teresa had this quote on her wall in, um, in the Home for Children in Calcutta that she ran. It was, uh, I, I found this, this quote, it's kind of like a poem this week, and it really hit me in that this is really what we're talking about when we talk about neighboring, all of this stuff. So I'm going to read this for you. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Be successful anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others will destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. But be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. I think when we, when we think about loving our neighbors, we think, oh, well, what are they going to think? How are they going to take this? Are they going to think I'm weird? What if they don't like me? All of these things. But that doesn't negate the fact that we're still called to do this. That it's still a commandment from Christ to love them anyway. Now Jesus was the best at throwing parties. Uh, it was basically like his thing was gathering people around him. Uh, whether for food or for teaching or for friendship, his thing was gathering people around him. And as we think about gathering people around us and we think about the messiness that all of that can be, if we just remember that it comes from the love that we have of Jesus, then there can just be an outpouring of grace on us and on our neighbors.
Um, like I said, there's so much more that um, that we can say about neighboring. And my favorite thing about this community is that the sermon is not the end. We don't give you all the answers because we don't have them. Um, but really, this is a conversation that, as a community, we can have this conversation um, back and forth. It may start here in the sermon, but as we move through the week and you're, you are doing stuff that's related to the sermon, and, and we have questions, and I want to know how it's going with you, and you want to know how it can work, and we can play off of each other. So the sermon is not the end. We encourage you to keep working and moving in this area. And if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have concerns, we are always open to receiving feedback and to receiving any of that conversation. So we'd love to have it. Um, all that to say, there's a book that we based the sermon series on, and we only got through half of the book. So if you want to read more, there's more in a book that they wrote really concisely and well. Um, it's called The Art of Neighboring. There are two copies back there. If you want to take one, um, it's yours. Um, there's also some block map uh, magnets on that back table. So if you want to take it, stick it on your fridge where you can see it, write people's names in it. Um, it's a great tool to have. There's also a block party planning kit thing that you can use or not use. That's fine. We're going to move into a time of communion, um, a time where we, this is a, a sign of the grace that God gives each and every one of us. In the midst of trying and failing and trying and failing to follow Jesus, there is unlimited grace. And on the night that Jesus, uh, the night before Jesus was, was going to be crucified, he had a party, because that's what he does. He invited his friends over, and they were eating dinner together. And on that night, he took the bread, an ordinary food item that was already on the table. He took that bread and he gave thanks to God and he, and, he, and he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for each of you. And not just broken so that it may stay that way, but broken so that each of us can have a peace that we take into the world, that we can be filled and sustained by Christ's body. And he gave this bread to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And then after, after dinner, uh, he took this cup of wine. And again, an ordinary cup that would mean nothing outside of this conversation, an ordinary means that was already on the table. And he said, this is my, this is my blood of, a, of this new covenant, this new promise that I'm making. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he said, again, he said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the thing about Jesus is that when he throws a party, when he sets a table, everyone is invited. No one is left out. No one is excluded for any reason. It is an open table that anybody can come. We all have those neighbors that everyone tries to avoid. No one wants to talk to. No one likes them. You get into your car really fast. But they are also invited to Jesus' table. We all have that neighbor that everyone is trying to, to compare to. That they have the best everything. 
they are also invited to Jesus' table. No matter who you are or what your past looks like, you're invited to this table because when Jesus is host, all are invited. And so in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we here offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And we proclaim when we eat of the, the bread and drink of the juice, we proclaim this mystery that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. But this is not the end. Would you pray with me? God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Would you make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now, I just realized that I did not ask anybody to serve communion, so I'm going to ask Ann and Brian, can you guys serve communion this morning? <laughs> <laughs> They've done it before. They're pros. <laughs> So we're going to have just one line if you want to come up the center. No one is going to dismiss you. Um, you can come as you are ready to come and receive this. Um, just come up the center aisle and we can return um, back through the sides. So I'm going to offer it to them and then to the table will be set.